Hello and welcome to a special edition of Fall Classic Rewind where we're going to be sort of recapping the current 2022 postseason. Um, still working on the 1991 series. Uh, we'll be working on making sure we get, are getting our ads and our sponsors uh, for those episodes, but there's a lot of research to go into that. I'll also apologize if my voice sounds a little off. I'm recovering from a cold. Um, so that's also why we've had a bit of a delay. I kind of wanted to do this episode last week, kind of go uh, sort of series by series. Uh, but as now we're approaching the World Series starting this Friday between the Astros and the Phillies, um, I just thought it would be great to sort of have a current episode recapping some of my favorite moments uh, from this postseason so far. It's been an excellent, exciting, thrilling World Series. We had the new additions of the the additional wild cards, the wild card rounds, the three-game series, which uh, created a lot of excitement, some awesome moments, some great calls. Uh, we're going to try to kind of, you know, do a briefer recap then. You know, we're not going to be doing my normal sort of in-depth going on the, you know, the, the storylines and, and, and all of that. And obviously there's still stories to tell uh, in this series. Uh, and, and obviously, you know, we're going to be waiting and are very excited for the uh, World Series matchup. And uh, man, there's just been uh, there's been so many exciting things so far, uh, so many great things, um, and it, you know, I'll also encourage you to go back listen to some episodes. Obviously, with the Phillies in the World Series, we just covered the 1980 World Series, their first ever World Series win, uh, and how exciting uh, that series was. But this, of course, we're going to have a rematch of perhaps the wildest and craziest championship series. But instead of this time, since the Astros are in the American League now, it'll be for the World Series rather than the National League pennant. Um, I encourage you to go back and listen to, if we go back a few episodes, I covered the 1980 NLCS. I believe I covered it in three episodes. I covered games one through three, then game four and game five. Take a listen to that. What a crazy, there's like four extra inning games. Come on, in a, and it was only a five-game series. The other, the other win, the game one, was a comeback win. So definitely encourage you to take a listen there. Uh, no sponsor for today's video, which means we're getting right into the ball games. Um, if you weren't aware, uh, you know we had the additional wild card, so now six teams make the postseason instead of five, uh, and so that means that, you know, we have a little bit of different things. And that also meant that, you know, so the team, the third best team or the third division, essentially, is going to have their season on the line immediately uh, with a three-game series. Um, so the teams that made the postseason, uh, we're going to be covering mainly the American League today. We'll get to the National League uh, in our next episode. But the American League, obviously – we mentioned the Houston Astros. We know they're going to the World Series. They also were the top team in the league. They won 106 games, so that granted them a bye in their division. The Yankees were the second-best team. They won 99 games, um, You know, obviously behind the heroics of Aaron Judge, who hit 62 home runs, the American League record, the Yankees record, but not Major League Baseball record. Want to make that clear. 
was sort of a source of controversy, which is kind of a nothing controversy in my viewpoint. Uh, and then the Cleveland Guardians, this is their first name under the Guardians name, uh, won the Central. Sort of surprisingly, we're kind of an up-and-coming team. We're going to be covering them first. Uh, but the other teams that made the postseason, Toronto Blue Jays were the sort of number one wild card team. Uh, they won 92 games. Uh, and the Mariners were the number two wild card team. They won 90 games. So back-to-back years, actually for both of those teams, winning 90 games is just, just this year they make the postseason. Last year they didn't. Uh, and then the Rays were the final wild card team at 86 wins, 86 and 76. Actually only three games ahead of the Orioles. The Rays kind of limped into the playoffs. Um, but, you know, they were a team that's based off of um, – has really good pitching, not much – really good defense, but not much hitting. Kind of like the Guardians. And so based off of how the new matchup is, that is the first game on the schedule. The Guardians versus the Rays. Not the first time they faced up in a wild card round. They faced up in a wild card round all the way back in 2013. Actually, with the second, I think it was the second year of the wild card. And the Rays kind of, uh, you know, I it, they came to Progressive Field and sort of stomped on, uh, stomped on. Back then, they were the Cleveland Indians. But this year, well, Cleveland was looking for something a little bit different. Uh, you know, they're they're not. They're a team that pitches excellently. They have a great kind of top three of their rotation with Shane Bieber, who won the Cy Young in 2020 and put together another outstanding campaign. Uh, sort of uh, Tristan McKenzie was their number two, and Cal Quantrill uh, is their number three. And uh, going up against the Rays, their main you know the main thing that they're going to be dealing with uh, is the pitching with Shane McClanahan, the young lefty who has really kind of burst onto the scene as one of the best pitchers in the game today. Uh, and then the Rays also were getting Tyler Glass now back, who had been their ace but was um, returning from Tommy John surgery. And then they've got a whole cavalcade of arms, guys you've never heard of, but have but come out with amazing stuff. I mean, that's kind of the story in baseball today. It's really uh, heavily bullpen focused. But even you know your third or fourth starters, they might not be going deep into games, but they're going to come in with electric stuff. So this game one matchup, I remember you know turned it on, started at noon, which is you know on a work day, and I'm like, all right, well I guess I'm watching baseball all day. And, I mean, just what a game, what a throwback game this was. Shane Bieber versus McClanahan. And they're just trading zeros, striking out guys dominant, seeing good defensive plays. Just an absolute, you know, a pleasure of a game to watch. But in the top of the sixth, sort of a guy who, not, you know, a really good defensive center fielder, Jose Siri, um, gets a cutter on the outer half from Shane Bieber and lines it out to right center. He had actually had a, he had pr- pretty much had the best swing off of Bieber the first time through the order. Uh, but here it was, Bieber makes a mistake um, and just a great p- piece of hitting by Jose Siri. And, you know, with the Rays, you know, with the way McClanahan's fishing, they're thinking, hey, all we need is one run. Problem is, there's this guy there's this guy for Cleveland named Jose Ramirez, who's just special. He's one of he's one of the most underrated great players in the game today. He's probably a future Hall of Famer, third baseman for Cleveland. Um, he's you know finished 
top three in MVP multiple years, is probably going to finish top three in MVP again, had another outstanding season, is really sort of the engine of that Cleveland team. Um, and after um, Ahmed Rosario reaches base here, um, let me make sure, yeah, Ahmed Rosario gets a base hit the other way. Here's Jose Ramirez up at the plate, his team down a run, but with his ace on the mound. And here's the call from legendary Cleveland broadcaster Tom Hamilton. one nothing raise, the pitch. Swing and a high fly ball. Deep right center field. Siri at the wall. And it's gone! What a moment there for Cleveland's Jose Ramirez really putting the team on his back and uh, picking up his ace there. And then we're going to see in the rest of this game, Bieber, he gets it into the eighth inning, and then uh, Cleveland brings in their their ace reliever, kind of one of those throwback dominant guys, Emmanuel Classe, who's throwing 100-mile-per-hour cutters in there, uh, and he sets him down in the ninth inning putting Cleveland one game away from getting to the ALDS. Um, In the past, they would have already been in the ALDS, but now uh, because they were, you know, that, you know, tied for the third best record in the, uh, in the league. Well, they had a little bit more work to do anyway. What a, what a performance there. Shane Bieber, a throwback, just efficient. I mean, the cool thing about this game, it took two hours and 17 minutes. It was brilliant. It, it, was, it, was, it was such a, <laughs> you know, a breath of fresh air. Of course, home runs ended up deciding the game, as they often do in the postseason. But really excellent pitching. Um, and, hey, the pitching is going to continue in game two of this series. I mean, what a matchup. And, I mean, this was a game... The pace of it was pretty good. It's just this game didn't get decided until the 15th. Second game of this series, um, Glasnow pitching for the Rays, McKenzie pitching for Cleveland. All three of these games, there's only going to be two, spoiler alert, uh, but all three of these games would have been in Cleveland. That's kind of one of the new rules uh, in these playoffs. Uh, and But the Teams trading zeros, getting out of some jams, uh, you know, like the bases get loaded in the sixth inning for the uh, uh, for Cleveland, but then their pitcher comes in, strikes out multiple guys, gets them out of a jam. Jose Ramirez makes a couple of just tremendous defensive plays, and a lot of the time in this game, it's just a lot of strikeouts too. I mean, that's one of the things of really brilliant pitching, but these are not the two best offensive teams. Uh, and, and for some of it, there doesn't look to be actually too much of a threat in these games. Uh, but we're going to get all the way, you know, trading zeros scoreless through 14 innings, which is a record, a record, um, which will soon be broken. <laughs> a little fore- foretelling of what's going to be coming in these playoffs. Um, but we get to the bottom of the 15th. and the top of the 15th, the Rays got a couple of uh, runners on, uh, but then uh, Sam 
uh, Henke's lefty reliever, strikes a couple of guys out, gets the team back in the dugout. And so that brings up Oscar Gonzalez, young, a rookie. The Cleveland, by the way, I forgot to mention this, they're the youngest team in the game. They've got like eight or nine rookies on this team, a lot of young pitching, a lot of young hitters. You know, they've got one bona fide star in Jose Ramirez and veterans like Ahmed Rosario, but it's mostly young guys. And here's this guy who walks up, his his walk-up song is SpongeBob SquarePants. The, are you ready, kids? Uh, would, you know, I, I think back to being at my grandparents or and all that and watch, you know, getting up in the morning on the weekend and, and watching SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh, but here he is. You know, nothing could be more intimidating than that, standing on the mound, and here's a guy walking up to a kid's song. I know about that with the, with the Nats in 2019 with Harada Parra and Baby Shark. Um, but here he is facing longtime Cleveland, former Cleveland ace Corey Kluber. So he's up at the plate, and, you know, sometimes in these late games, all it takes is one swing. And we're going to hear the legendary Tommy Hamilton on the call again, and he absolutely nails this one. There ain't Anders pitch. A swing and a high fly, deep left center field. It is gone. Hello, New York. Oscar Gonzalez sends the Guardians to the division series. A mob scene at home plate. A towering solo homer to left center to end this marathon incredible playoff game. Cleveland walks it off in the 15th inning on the rookie's blast to the bleachers in left center and Cleveland a 1-0 win in 15 innings today over the Tampa Bay Rays. And this place went bonkers. What a call there by Tom Hamilton. I mean, come on. Hello, New York. That's one of that's been one of my favorite things in this series is uh, not only the calls by the broadcasters, but especially going in with the radio. One of the things, one of the tools I use is actually I have an MLB.com, uh, MLB.tv subscription. So I'm able to go back, you know, a day or two after the games and I can simultaneously, you know, so I have access to lining up the radio recording with the television screen. Uh, I like going back, watching it that way. Uh, so, you know, you're getting, you know, the, the national broadcasters do a very good job and I'm going to occasionally have the national, uh, the national broadcasters uh, doing the calls here. But man, when you get that sort of the, that local angle on, on those big moments, they really know how to kind of nail the emotion uh, that you get from these. Man, just what a, what a, what a tremendous th- thing there for the Guardians. We're going to, uh, one last note on Cleveland. We will be coming back to them uh, for the uh, ALDS. Some great moments happen there um, in their matchup against the Yankees. Uh, but we're first going to cover the other AL wildcard thing. Um, you know, Cleveland hadn't, you know, since 2016, since they were up 3-1 in that 
World Series. They lost three straight in that World Series. They were up 2-0 on the Yankees in 2017 and lost three straight. Uh, so Terry Francona, in his last six opportunities to advance in a series, he'd lost. So he was making sure he wasn't missing this one. Uh, so the pitching did a great job. And then the rookie, how about the rookie, Oscar Gonzalez, coming through, hitting that hanging breaking ball. We're not done with Oscar Gonzalez yet either. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we're going to cover uh, what happens in the other wild card game. So this is Seattle versus Toronto. Um, Seattle finally broke their long extended 21 year playoff drought. I mean, and by the way, the guy who, who did it was their catcher hit a walk off home run. I mean, they were, they were going to make it anyway, but tremendous season. They got a young, exciting center fielder, Julio Rodriguez, uh, who gives them like combination of shades of A-Rod and Griffey just a tremendous young ball player. They've got great pitching. They picked up Luis Castillo at the deadline. They got um, reigning Cy Young, Robbie Ray, and then young guys, Logan Gilbert and George Kirby, who are these young, pretty much, you know, very inexperienced guys who just absolutely blossomed this year. And they've got, you know, they're a pretty deep and awesome team. And then going up against Toronto, Toronto was one of the teams many people kind of predicted to maybe even take the division. They got off to a rough start, fired their manager, um, and really kind of caught fire and played bet as good as anyone down the stretch. They, of course, they've got the uh, um, Bichette and Guerrero, you know, George Springer at the top of the lineup. Uh, really a deep, lengthy team, a really good catcher in Alejandro Kirk. I mean, just a you know, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with in the East. And then they've got their big guy, Alec Manoa, on the mound here in game one. A Cy Young candidate uh, had been one of the best pitchers in the game going up against Castillo. But, man, the Mariners, it, there was just felt like there was something special about this team. And, um, you know, and one thing is just for Alec Manoa, you got a game, a playoff game at home, so energy, I think it should be on your side, but sometimes that can make you a little nervous. And uh, the beginning the beginning of this game does not go smooth for him. He hits Julio Rodriguez, the leadoff batter. And then um, after, after uh, I think uh, Ty France is hitting second, I think he either popped out or something like that. But then Eugenio Suarez brought in Rodriguez in on a double. And so Cal Rally is up at the plate here. The guy who hit the walk-off to basically to clinch the playoff spot is here to sort of make a statement for the Seattle Mariners. Let's see where Manoa goes right here with the count full. Suarez again a lead at second base. Mariners with a 1-0 lead here in the top of the first inning. The stretch. And now the 3-2 on the way to Cal. Swing and a drive into right field. This one is going. It is going. It is gone. Goodbye baseball. Cal Raleigh. A two-run home run has just shocked the fans here at Rogers Center. It's now the Mariners three and the Blue Jays nothing. We are in the top of the first inning. Number 28 on the year for Cal and number one in the postseason. 
for Cal Raleigh, a 3-0 Mariner lead, and holy smokes, and a mile by, what an at-bat by Cal Raleigh. What a way to start the postseason for the Seattle Mariners. 3-0 lead from the get-go. And really, because, you know, Toronto can be a place, it's this dome stadium, it can get really loud, feel really tense. I mean, just go back, think back to the Jose Bautista home runs, or even going back in the 90s, what they basically did to Mitch Williams in the World Series. It can be a very tough play, be a very tough place to play as an opposing player, but that's a good way to silence the crowd. Uh, and then, you know, get that lead for your ace, Luis Castillo, who goes in and just shoves seven. I think he pitches into the eighth inning, shutout ball, dominant. He's, he's another one of these guys where he's throwing 98 to 99 with movement. And it's either, it's, it's either sinking, cutting, or, and then he's got an excellent changeup that he throws around 90. And, you know, he was a big deadline acquisition and was showing, hey, yep, <laughs> I'm, I'm the type of guy you wanted to, you wanted to add on to your roster. And uh, the, blue, uh, the Mariners end up <clears throat> winning this game four to nothing. Game two is a wild, wild game uh, because we have so much to cover. I'm only going to cover the end of this game, um, but it's just, man, Early on, so we got Robbie Ray on the mound going up against Kevin Gosman. Interestingly enough, you know, Kevin Gosman was with the Giants in 2021. Robbie Ray was with the Blue Jays and won a Cy Young. Uh, and so they kind of, they swapped coasts. Um, and, uh, you know, Ray was very good in the regular season, but he was a guy who could be homer prone, could struggle with command, and ooh, struggles early on uh, for Robbie Ray who gives up a two-run homer to Teoscar Hernandez in the second inning, allows another run in the third, and then allows another home run to Hernandez in the fourth, and then he's out of the game. The lead, in fact, actually gets up. It becomes um, a 9-1 to one ball game after five innings. Uh, well, sorry, I'm mistaken. An 8-1 to one ball game after, after five innings, in which you're thinking, all right, you got Kevin Gosman on the hill. The Blue Jays have a pretty good bullpen. Yeah, that should be it. Top of the six, things get a little hairy there. Um, you know, there's some, they decide to take Kevin Gosman out of the game. Um, you know, with, with, it was either one ounce or two outs. And they bring in a lefty reliever and Carlos Santana, of all people, you know, a guy who had kind of struggled for most of the year but had clutch hits for the Mariners, hits a three-run homer, uh, brings the game, you know, and they ended up scoring four runs in the inning. So now it's an 8-5 ball game. Um, the Blue Jays are able, able to add on another run uh, in the seventh inning to, you know, make it a 9-5 ball game, giving them a four-run lead with six outs to go to extend their season. But then there comes the horror of the eighth inning for, the, for this team. Um, Eugenio Suarez leads off the inning uh, with a double. Uh, and then Cal Rowley, uh, our guy, drives him in with a base hit. And then Mitch Hanniger gets a base hit, bringing it to first and second. And Toronto's like, all right, we're bringing in our closer. 
there's no tomorrow. You know, it's now a th- it's a three run ball game, and we got to take care of this right here, right now. And uh, Adam Frazier gets a hit to load up the bases, but then strike out to Carlos Santana, strike out to Dylan Moore, bringing up J.P. Crawford. And hey, it's just sort of it seems like this inning where oh Seattle they're trying to make a, a comeback, but here's the closer, he's got it figured out. He's going to get his team back in. Well, I talked about this being a horror, a horrific, (laughs) kind of a, you know, a nightmare inning and a nightmare game for the Blue Jays. And, well, this play right here encapsulates it. Romano taking some time. Here we go. The stretch by Romano and the pitch on the way to Crawford. Swing and a fly ball into shallow center field. Bichette going out. Springer coming in. Springer dives, can't get to it. Gets out by everybody. One run scores, Raleigh. Hedegar will score. Here comes Frazier rounding third. Frazier will score. This ball game is tied at 9-9. Bichette and Springer collide. Crawford in at second with a bases clearing three-run double. But right now, Bichette is down, Springer is down, two Blue Jays are hurt, a double by J.P. Crawford, and the Mariners have tied the game. What a comeback at 9-9 here in the top of the eighth inning. Holy smokes and a mile my, what a comeback by the Mariners. But right now, hopefully Bichette and Springer are all right. Bichette is up. He's up and moving around pure excitement and pandemonium for the uh for the mariners there and just just shock and and nothing else to describe other than just horror and especially looking there um george springer had to get carted off the field i think he ended up being okay i actually thought Bichette got the worst of it because it looked like his head uh, looked like Springer's head jammed into his elbow. Um, but then, of course, the ball bounces away, three runs score, and what should have hopefully have been a way to get out of this nightmare turns into a brand new ball game. And ninth inning, well, Mariners are going to be at it again. Cal Rally finds a way gets himself another double, um, drives it to the gap in right center, and that brings up Adam Frazier, a guy who the Mariners acquired in the offseason. He was part, Adam Frazier was an all-star the previous year uh, with the Pirates and was was a deadline acquisition uh, for the Padres, and then the Padres ended up flipping him in the offseason. And Adam Frazier's had a rough year. (laughs) He's had a no no way no two ways about it he's had a terrible year at the plate a guy who was high contact high average hit hit you a lot of doubles run the bases great just had a nightmare of a season but here he is with a chance for redemption a chance to put his team up and send them off to the division series the and give seattle a chance to have a home playoff game that they haven't had in 20 one years. 
Cal will lead. Here's the pitch of the way. Swinging a line drive into right field. Down the line and toward the corner. A base hit. Cal being waved around third. He'll score. Frazier in it second with a two-out RBI double. Claps his hands. And the Mariners, for the first time in the ball game, have a 10-9 miraculous lead here in the top of the ninth inning. Holy smokes. Adam Frazier comes through in the clutch. His third base hit is an RBI double, giving the Mariners a lead here in the top of the ninth inning. And you betcha this crowd here in Toronto is absolutely shocked. Better than the San Diego comeback. It's better. Oh, it's my better. goodness. A double down the right field line by Adam Frazier, and that is going to be it for Jordan Romano. They get to Romano for a huge run. Cal Raleigh with a double. Frazier with a double. And the Mariners have the lead. And the Blue Jays will go to their bullpen. We have a timeout. Don't you go away. It's the Mariners 10. The Blue Jays 9. We'll be back after this timeout. I believe that's Rick Riz on the call. The longtime Seattle Mariners radio broadcaster. Nailing it there. Again, that's one of my favorite things about the about the postseason and, and covering a current postseason where you're able to get all of these different feeds. Um, it's awesome. Seattle actually brings out their their rookie pitcher, their guy who's their number four starter, George Kirby. Hey, man, come in, close the playoff game right here in, in, a, in a hostile environment. And he's able to do it. Just what a, what a tremendous, tremendous series there. And Seattle is going to get a chance to host a playoff game. Um, we'll get back to Seattle. They're going to go up against Houston. Uh, but we're going to go back here and um, kind of retread waters over Cleveland, who is now in New York. Uh, game one of this series doesn't go Cleveland's way. Uh, it's Quantrill versus Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole um, pretty much dominant, dominant in this outing. Uh, only mistakes is he gives up a home run to rookie leadoff hitter uh, Stephen Kwan. But other than that, dominant outing for him. Uh, and um, Harrison Bader gets the best of Cal Quantrill hitting a home run, starting off a tremendous postseason uh, for Harrison Bader. Um, game two of this series is an interesting one, where in the first inning, Shane Bieber's back on the mound. Appears to have walked Giancarlo Stanton, but pitch is called a strike. Stanton's upset. Very next pitch, he lines into the right field seats for a two-run homer. Um, Cleveland's able to get a run back, and then Ahmed Rosario ends up tying the game off of Nestor Cortez. But this game is another one that ends up going extra, sort of trading of zeros. Bieber ends up pitching very solid, um, as does Nestor Cortez. But we get to the top of the 10th inning. The Yankees bring in Jamison Tyone. Again, one of the things that's also changed with this is there's fewer rest days and fewer off. There's basically almost like no off days uh, in this series. So it makes it a little bit harder um, to, you know, schedule your pitching and have guys come back on short rest. So Tyone was most likely not going to get a chance to start in this series. Um, oh, the other thing, he, too, is game two was delayed a day because of a rainout. I forgot about that. Um, so this was in the middle of that crazy day. There was four postseason games. 
There was that 18 inning game, which we're going to get to and a couple of other great games um, for the, uh, in the national league series, which we'll get to in our, in our next episode. But in this game two, the top of the 10th, Jose Ramirez, our guy, bloops one down the left field line. And there's, you know, a couple of bloops that happen in this series, balls that fall in no man's land. But, you know, Josh Donaldson and the rookie outfielder, Oswaldo Cabrera, aren't able to come up with it. Donaldson gets the ball and then throws it away. So Jose Ramirez is on third base with nobody out. And who is up at the plate? Well, Mr. SpongeBob SquarePants listener himself, Oscar Gonzalez, with yet again another opportunity to put the team ahead. Listen to what happens here. The one-two pitch. Another little boop, and this could be trouble. It will drop, and the Guardians have the lead. No hard contact, but the hard truth for the Yankees is they trail 3-2. The infield in the softest of hits by Gonzalez. Good, nasty breaking pitch from Tyone. Puts the ball in play. We said that these Guardians were going to do that. They've done it all season long. Never know what happens when he put it in play, and no way for Rizzo to get to it. Naylor's the hitter. It goes back the hustle by Ramirez, who was told by his manager, spring training, play with mm -hmm. your pants on fire. You'll inspire these young players. Well, that was a great example of it. Two balls that should be outs, and you look at it now, Cleveland's got a lead. And then on the, you know, the very next at bat, gets to a two-strike count. Gonzalez is running on the pitch. Naylor rips it to the wall. Uh, and Gonzalez scores, giving the Guardians a 4-2 lead, uh, which Clause, who was already in the game because uh, he came in in the ninth inning, shuts down, evens up the series 1-1. Now, Game 3 is the best game of this series, and another game where, you know, if we had a little bit more time, I would go through it. It's certainly a game I'll consider revisiting. Um, but it's um, McKenzie... Uh, versus um, Luis Severino. And early on, Luis Severino looks like he doesn't have it. Looks like, man, he might not get out of the second inning. Looks like for the Yankees, this is just going to be, you know, yet another disappointment. But, <laughs> you know, they're able to fight back. Oswaldo Cabrera ends up hitting a home run um, in this game. And then, um, well, actually, Aaron Judge, Aaron Judge hits a home run in the third, and Cabrera, and Cabrera hits one to give them a 4-2 lead. Um, you know, Cleveland's able to get a run back, um, and then uh, and then the Yankees are able to add on another to make it a 5-3 lead. And so that's going to bring us to the ninth inning. That's the main thing here is the ninth inning. Uh, bullpens ends up doing a pretty decent job on both sides. Um, you know, a bounce back from um, uh, from Luis Severino actually ends up pitching a pretty good game um, despite struggling early on. But we get to the ninth inning, and a key thing here is Yankees closer, 
Um, the Yankees, who you know won 99 games, they were the first team to 70 wins, but they really struggled down the stretch the second half of the season because they had a lot of injuries. DJ LeMay, who ended up getting hurt, they traded for Andrew Benintendi. He got hurt. Um, Anthony Rizzo was hurt through the through times. Different pitchers ended up going on the IL. And their bullpen, I mean, their bullpen, which had been dominant, you know, guys like Clay Holmes, who is their closer, um, you know, was kind of a guy who could only go, he couldn't go two days in a row because uh, he was coming off of injury. So a lot of factors there. So that meant basically Aaron Boone said, hey, the closer's not available, so it's going to have to be Wandy Peralta and then basically lean on a rookie pitcher, Clark Schmidt. Well, Wandy Peralta, you know, there's some, again, some more blue pits in the ninth inning. Wouldn't be the Guardians without some blue pits, uh, but they're able to get two guys on. Clark Schmidt comes on. Um, Ahmed Rosario uh, brings the lead down to one to one run. Um, Jose Ramirez gets an infield single. Schmidt's able to strike out Josh Naylor, but that brings up, well, the guy, <laughs> the guy you don't want up if you're the New York Yankees. Yeah, you guessed it, Oscar Gonzalez. And gets it to a two-strike count. He's fighting off pitches, you know. And what the Guardians team does, what they're so good at, is putting the ball in play, giving themselves a chance. And that's what Oscar Gonzalez is going to do here. And once again, it's going to be Tom Hamilton on the call. Here it comes. A swing and a liner back up the middle, base hit into center. Here comes Quan. Here comes Rosario. The Guardians win. He's done it again. Oscar Gonzalez. A two-out, two-strike, two-run single to center. time this year Cleveland trailing after seven innings has come from behind to win it I tell you Tom Hamilton no one captures the excitement quite like him and getting the energy of the crowd crafty with his words man and it's so cool for Oscar Gonzalez three hits to give his team the lead in the ninth inning or later. No one else has done that in a single postseason. <laughs> Come on, what a what a moment there for Cleveland. And then, hey, look, they're a game away from advancing to the American League Championship Series. But it's not going to happen that easily. Um, and game four, Garrett Cole's back on the mound. And, well... He was dominant in game one. He's dominant in game two yet again. Um, early on in this in the second inning of this game, I mentioned Harrison Bader hitting a home run off of Cal Quantrill earlier in this series in game one. Um, absolutely crushing one. And then I believe he also had one off of Tristan McKenzie in game two. 
Um, well, I'm sorry, in game three. And here he is. It, by the way, it's just like the stats were his regular season against Quantrill also dominated him. And <laughs> Harrison Bader, this guy, ends up sort of being the story of the postseason for the New York Yankees. Here he is, his team already with a one nothing lead with a chance to add on for the Yankees in game four, facing elimination. Here's another drive to deep left center field, and this one is gone. It may be a small sample, but I feel confident in saying that Harrison Bader owns Cal Quantrill. And it's 3-0 New York. and 29 feet and like the one he hit in the Bronx tremendous contact each was a missile I mean the Yankees were counting on him to just solidify the defense for this team anything that he gave them offensively would be icing on the cake so Harrison Bader was a deadline acquisition kind of a under the radar last minute you're looking, huh, the Yankees traded Jordan Montgomery, they're like fourth starter for Harrison Bader, who's currently hurt. Kind of seemed like a perplexing move, and Bader barely played in the regular season, only came in at, at you know, sort of at the end. Um, you know, obviously he's a reputation of being a great defender, um, great center fielder, but, you know, with the bat for most of most of his career – He'd been solid, if not eh, leaving a lot to be desired. But here he is bursting on the scene uh, in a Yankee uniform. He's from from Bronxville, from the New York area, and here he is showing out. What a tremendous, tremendous moment for Harrison Bader. And he's going to continue that. Um, really kind of was the star for the Yankees in this postseason. Uh, I mentioned Garrett Cole having a really good if not dominant outing, you know, he does, he does end up giving up a couple of runs in the third inning. Uh, they get some runners on, but uh, he's able, he's able to get out of it. He does give up a home run to Josh Naylor who kind of does this like rocking the cradle running around the bases, um, which honestly is a little bit childish, but you know, Naylor's a guy who plays with a lot of energy, but Cole's response from that is to shut him down the rest of the way. Really, really dominant. We're going to hear him cap off his outing. Uh, he's actually got some runners on. He's in the seventh inning, working hard. Um, but really, you know, he showed up. You know, a guy who is with the Yankees had some outings that left a lot to be desired. Uh, Garrett Cole showing why, you know, he's he's the ace the Yankees wanted. His 110th pitch of the night. Maybe his last, but it gets them out of the inning. He's given them seven, and he walks off with a 4-2 lead. Two strikeouts in the inning, eight for the game. Tremendous outing there from Garrett Cole and what they really needed. I mean, especially with how taxed their bullpen was. And with the, you know, the idea was they thought they were going to be playing the next night. We'll get into that in a second. 
um, but really outstanding. And then Holmes and Peralta come in, shut the door on the Guardians, and that gives us a winner-take-all game five. But we're going to have to wait. The next night, you know, it's going to basically, it's known it's going to be a bullpen game. Likely Aaron Savali, who's had kind of a bad year, pitched well down the stretch for Cleveland, uh, and likely Jamison Tyone. But there's rain, and there's a rain out. It's postponed to an afternoon game the next day. And curiously, uh, you know, unsurprisingly, the Yankees are like, oh, we're going to bring back Nestor Cortez on short rest. You know, he's going to give us all he's got. And you would think, huh, Cleveland would likely want to do the same with Shane Bieber. But they don't, which, I, you know, is a decision that they're probably going to rue. Um, you know, I don't know if it was ultimately up to Terry Francona or even if it was totally up to Shane Bieber, um, you know, but it's one of those things of they're going to look back and see that as a missed opportunity. But one thing to think about is this is, we had two rainouts in this series. So game two, they played game one, had a day off. We're supposed to play game two, but that got pushed a day. And so what should have been a day off and a travel day was a day they had to play. So they thought they were going to play four days in a row. Now, obviously, they ended up getting another day off, but ultimately, they decide not to go with Shane Bieber. And it immediately comes back to haunt them. In the first inning, well, Aaron Savali just doesn't have it. You know, he doesn't have it. Ends up walking Glaber Torres to lead off the ball game. Anthony Rizzo comes through, uh, actually gets hit by pitch. And that brings up Giancarlo Stanton. Stanton, who already hit a home run in this series, has really a lot of times come through for the Yankees. And, well, just take a listen to what happens here. A drive to right center field. Back near the wall and gone. So much power in that direction for Giancarlo Stanton. He had 31 during the season. This is his second of this series. And the Yankees jump on Savali in the first and take a 3-0 lead. strike zone. He has such long arms, so he has great plate coverage. That ball might be on the outside part, but just so strong. You leave pitches up in the zone or in the middle of the zone to the to the heart of the Yankees order, and, well, they can punish you. They can punish you real well. Aaron Judge ends up hitting a home run later in this game, um, and the Yankees kind of, they go on and cruise. They have a pretty kind of uneventful game five you know the the guardians are able to put base runners on and and i'll play the final play for you but it's just one of those things of man winner take all game you you got to put your best out there and you know savali wasn't the best he he wasn't the guy to turn to i mean i would have preferred you know heck you know you have all of these other guys that you threw in a 15 inning game and uh I don't know. Just seems like a missed opportunity there for Cleveland. Uh, one that, you know, they regret. I mean, granted, 
as we're probably going to see when we move on to the ALCS a little bit later, might not have mattered going up against Houston (laughs) with the juggernaut that team is. And we're going to get to Houston in a moment. But man, just kind of feels almost like a missed opportunity there. And so that brings us to the ninth inning. Um, Cleveland's able to get a couple of runners on. Miles Straw's up at the plate. Juani Peralta's on the mound. Um, and here we go with the, the voice of the Yankees, the radio voice, still doing games. You know him well, John Sterling, with his patented call whenever there's a Yankees victory. Take a listen. Two on, two out. Top of the ninth. Pitch. Hit on the ground, a short. Go to second, force, in time. Ball game over. American League Division Series over. Yankees win. The Yankees win. And the Yankees now go to the American League Championship Series as they face off against the Houston Astros. And we'll have the first game on the air tomorrow night. The Yankees win this game 5-1 to one through the great pitching of Nestor Cortez and the bullpen, which featured Loisaga, Holmes, and Peralta. And a three-run home run by Stanton in the first, a solo home run by Judge in the second, and later on a ruby single in the fifth, I believe, by... Anthony Rizzo, and we'll wait here for Susan to get his start. Now, the Yankees have won the American League Division Series three games to two. The Yankees able to stave off elimination with consecutive wins behind Garrett Cole and Nestor Cortez, and, of course, behind the bats of Harrison Bader, Aaron Judge, and Giancarlo Stanton. Moving on to our other division series, which I think, you know, this is only going to end up being a three-game series, but these three games were fantastic. Just absolute thrill rides. Um, Mariners facing their division foe, the Houston Astros, 106-win juggernaut. The Astros were looking to advance to the championship series for a record sixth consecutive season. No one's ever done that. Um, you know, I, I actually think the um, Braves may have done that. They may have been in six consecutive championship series um, or had six years of winning a playoff series. But, you know, it just the Astros are – they're a juggernaut. They're a tremendous team, um, you know, even with losing Carlos Correa, George Springer, Garrett Cole, they're Charlie Morton, they're just still there. They keep, you know, they find ways to replace and even, you know, supplant in many ways. Put guys who are even better. Still got Jose Altuve, got the young Cuban slugger, Jordan Alvarez, Alex Bregman. They got this young shortstop, Jeremy Pena, who made them forget all about Carlos Correa, and we're going to see why in these playoffs. And then, of course, their rotation is tremendous. Justin Verlander, 
who knew how he was going to pitch coming off of Tommy John? Well, he goes in and is the best pitcher in the American League. 175 ERA. Dominant. Lance McCullers really, you know, came back from injury this year. Really solid down the stretch. Framer Valdez, you know, if it weren't for Justin Verlander, Framer Valdez would probably win the Cy Young this year. Christian Javier, you know, kind of started as a swingman, became a dominant rotation piece. And so they're, you know, I mentioned four starters there. Luis Garcia and Jose Urquidy are both guys with playoff experience, solid if not really good postseason pitchers, they might not even touch the postseason rotation. And the bullpen, dominant, dominant. Presley at the back end, and guys like Abreu, Hector Norris, really solid. Ryan Stanek. Oh, man, this is an impressive team. But this first game, who it looks like. The Mariners come out swinging. I mean, they jump on Verlander from the get-go. Get a run in the first inning. They score three in the second. And then had, and then they add on, in fact, in the fourth inning. The Astros are able to fight back. They're able to get they're able to get some runs back. Um, you know, to make to make it a uh a uh a six to three ball game. Uh, but the Mariners add on, you know, so, early, you know, this first game for Justin Verlander, it doesn't go well. It's, it's pretty ugly. And it really, you know, kind of struggles. And, you know, we're getting into, it's the eighth inning. The Mariners are up seven to three. Seven to three. Which, you know, you feel pretty good. Hey, six outs, four runs, we can do this. Now, of course, the Mariners, they are keenly aware of how a team can come back. And in this eighth inning off of uh, Andres Munoz, you know, a guy who's throwing 100, Alex Bredman hits a two-run homer, makes it a two-run game. And the Mariners aren't able to add on after that. So we get to the bottom of the ninth. And they've got their closer in, Paul Sewald. But, man, he it's just from the get-go, you can tell. He doesn't have it. He doesn't have it. He does have two outs, you know. He does have two outs, you know. But hits a guy. And then Jeremy Pena gets a single right up the middle in a two-strike count. I, I want to just say he didn't have it. But, you know, his command was looking a little bit off. And here comes the decision that probably cost the Mariners this postseason. And they had Robbie Ray warming up in the bullpen, thinking lefty-lefty matchup. Jordan Alvarez comes up. We're going to have him face him. Now, Jordan Alvarez, to him, it doesn't really matter if he's facing righty or lefty. Dude can just hit. And, you know, I can understand wanting to take Seawald out. But I don't know if Robbie Ray was the right move. And, you know, still at this moment, you're up two runs. You got two base runners on. All you got to do is get an out. All you got to do is get an out. But Jordan Alvarez, the man's special. We're going to hear... 
Brian Anderson call. We're going to hear Brian Anderson's call first, and then I'm going to play the radio call because I think both of them merit a listen to. Alvarez launches deep right field, and this one is gone, and the Astros walk him off in game one. You're not Alvarez. Are you kidding me? I can just remember sitting there watching the game being like, why are you bringing in Robbie Ray? I mean, hey, if he comes in, it better be all sliders, man. And he throws a first pitch fastball, gets fouled right back. And I'm like, okay, okay. Got away with that one. Just don't throw it there again. And I've never seen a ball get out of the park faster than that. I mean, just immediately straight shot right into the upper deck. Incredible, Jordan Alvarez. And I said again, we're going to listen to the radio call here. I'll have a few more uh, comments, but just un- unbelievable. And, and just what a letdown for the Mariners, this game that you had. And, whoop, this juggernaut who looks like, oh, maybe they're on the ropes. You know, you take a game versus Justin Verlander, but nope. Anyway, here's the radio call for the Alvarez walk-off. The 0-1. And Alvarez belts it deep to right field. Gives it goodbye. Unbelievable. The Astros a walk-off win. Jordan Alvarez a walk-off three-run homer. And the Astros stun the Mariners in game one of the division series. 
incredible. The house of horrors for the Seattle Mariners continues as they mob Alvarez by home plate. A miraculous comeback for Houston. Astros win it eight to seven. Can you believe it? Wow. That's Robert Ford on there on the broadcast uh, for the Astros. It's his 10th year as the uh, Astros broadcasters. What a, what a call there. What an exciting game. Just, uh, just tremendous, oh, tremendous moment there from Jordan Alvarez. Kind of the new Cuban missile. Man, uh, game two is also a tremendous one. And... Um, a matchup between two really excellent pitchers. Uh, Framber Valdez, as I mentioned, a Cy Young candidate, really awesome left-hander, sinker baller, curveball, really attacks the zone, goes deep into games, going up against Luis Castillo, who we saw in his postseason. Well, actually not his postseason debut. Uh, He pitched with the Reds in 2020. Um, But this is a real good for a while. Pitchers matchup. The... uh, you know, Houston jumps out to a lead in the second inning, but then the Mariners are able to get it back, take the lead, a 2-1 lead in the fourth inning. And in the bottom of the six, a key thing happens here. Jeremy Pena, he's the Astros' two-hitter. He kind of lofts the ball into what we would call the Bermuda Triangle, right fielder and the second baseman going out, and falls right between them. They kind of both get a little skittish at the ball and you know normally you don't think too much about these things but when Jordan Alvarez steps in as the go-ahead run as the next batter in this tight game yeah those little things matter and you know the key thing was hey the mistake Robbie Ray made was he just threw a fastball right down the middle you know it was a mistake pitch it was a bad pitch it was a mistake, and Alvarez crushed it. But I can recall back in the 2019 World Series, I remember Jordan Alvarez in Game 5 of the World Series facing Joe Ross. Joe Ross throws a sinker down and away. It's off the plate, but Alvarez barrels it. Hits a line drive. Actually hits it off of like a fan's chest, a guy's double-fisted beers, and takes the ball off his chest, kind of became a – little cult internet hero for that. But Alvarez, he's so good in the zone, but he's also has the ability to crush pitches outside of the zone. And well, sometimes he would be better by just not pitching to him at all. And that one's hit well deep in the left field. And Alvarez has done it again. Oh my goodness. He has put the Astros in. Two-run home run makes it three to two, Houston. Deserves a curtain call, right? <laughs> I mean, gotta be. 
Wow. You have a guy absolutely mowing down, and he just drives us into left center. Castillo back to work. Bregman takes a ball. I mean, the level that Alvarez is playing right now and hitting right now. Delivering time after time. Oh, heartbreak again for Seattle. And, uh, you know, I mentioned that little Joe Ross story because this pitch, it's off the plate. Hit, you know, but it's just got a little too much height to it. Alvarez stands up, and with the Crawford boxes there, easy work for him, putting the Astros ahead. And they're able to close this one out and go up 2-0, one win away from their sixth straight, sixth straight ALCS. Just, uh, you know, and hey, Luis Castillo came to pitch. He did his job. Kept the team in the ball game. Just didn't have enough offense there. Valdez and the Astros bullpen keeping Seattle pretty much off the board except for that inning. And then game three. This one, you know, I mentioned, you know, how the the Cleveland-Tampa Bay game that, you know, went 14 scoreless, which was a new record. Well, that record didn't last for long. Lasted about a week. <laughs> Oh, this was on this day of, I believe this was the second game of the day. Um, I believe like the the Phillies had already beaten the Braves to clinch. And this game was still going on. Like this game only ends like slightly before the the Guardians walked off on the the Yankees in their game three. Um, but this one, you know, stays scoreless for 17 innings. Um, it was a matchup. Lance McCullers on the mound. He's excellent. He was able to f- work his way out of jams. The rookie, George Kirby. George Kirby throws a heck of a ball game. A heck of a ball game. Also, one thing I want to mention, game one, Logan Gilbert came to pitch. He, he, did, he did very well. It was just the bullpen. It was just the bullpen for Seattle. Uh, but the bullpen for Seattle in this game, you know, Kirby goes seven strong, seven shutout, and then the bullpen just guys coming out firing. Not a lot of damage, not a lot of threats. The only threat really came actually with the Astros, I want to say, geez, was it like the 14th inning or something like that? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it was either the 14th or the 15th inning. They get a couple runners on with one out. Yuri Gurriel's at the plate. And this is one of the plays I'm going to play here. Uh, we're going to get the Astros radio call. It's actually going to be, this is not actually not Rick Riz. This is going to be Aaron Goldsmith, who does a lot of their play-by-play and also occasionally does like uh, Fox games and, and stuff like that, does some national work. But I mentioned... Julio Rodriguez, you know, occasionally at the plate this year, giving you shades of sort of right-handed like um, like Alex Rodriguez did as a young uh, prodigy with Seattle. Well, defense showing that young prodigy <laughs> like Ken Griffey in the outfield. Take a listen to this play here. A tremendous, tremendous play because he doesn't make this. Well, this game ends a lot earlier. Bregman and Tucker aboard. 
First pitch to Gurriel in the air, right center field, hit pretty well. Rodriguez on the run, and Rodriguez makes a great catch. Bregman will tag and go to third. Oh, my goodness. The ground he covered off the charts. Julio Rodriguez kicking it into fifth gear to make this play. Wow, you talk about covering some ground. It's going to be your AL Rookie of the Year right here. Guriel, again, first pitch ready to go. Stays inside it. Nice. Watch Rodriguez right here. And then gets it back in. No one Bregman's going to tag to get to third, but catches the all-important second out. That was something. Julio Rodriguez was full throttle. Astros thought they had one in the gap. Rodriguez breaks their hearts. Just a tremendous sliding catch in the gap. For sure would have scored a run, if not two. Um, Rodriguez is a really exciting player, and he's going to be exciting for a long time. Keep your eye on him. Um, Because unfortunately, we're not going to get to see him the rest of this postseason because, well, trading more zeros. One thing that that comes in, I you know, a name I mentioned earlier, earlier, Luis Garcia, a guy who, you know, by all rights would be a two or a three in most postseason rotations, and here he is on the outside looking in, but he comes in and just shoves, like gives a performance um, a la Yusmero Petit in the 2014 playoffs against the Nationals when he was with the Giants. Uh, this just dominant outing coming in. And uh, just, you know, making it, putting the pressure again, once again, on the Mariners, who are kind of running out of pitchers. But that brings us to the top of the 18th. Leading off is Jeremy Pena, basically the guy who the Astros felt comfortable going with, you know, let Carlos Correa walk. Carlos Correa, who had been clutch for them time and time again, and undoubtedly who's been one of the best shortstops in the game for... A young, you know, not that much of a young rookie because he's 25, but a guy who went to University of Maine, went up through the minors, had big moments early on in the season, had his struggles, but here he is in the 18th inning searching for his moment. We have matched the longest postseason game in history here. Astros, of course, that 18-inning affair in 05. Mariners' longest was 15. 3-2 pitch. In the air, deep left center field, hit well. Rodriguez on the run, and it is gone! Oh, Jeremy Pena sends one to the seats, and the Astros lead 1-0 in the 18th inning. This kid is the real deal himself. What a moment. 3-2, got a fastball and connected. 415 feet, 105 off the bat. The young kid comes up big again. Wow, what a moment. Silencing this crowd at T-Mobile Park. A blast. Another great call from Brian Anderson. 
Um, obviously doing work for TBS. He's got famous basketball calls. Um, he's the voice of the Brewers for most of the year. He's Brian Anderson is tremendous nails play by play. He understands the moment, the emotion, and also how to let moments breathe. Um, it's got a great voice to, uh, to boot. Um, man, oh, just what a moment there. And once again, heartbreak for Seattle. Uh, you know, on one thing is, you know, they're only going to get one postseason game, but it lasted for two. <laughs> and they only had to pay, the fans only had to pay for one. Uh, I'm sure they would have taken taken a couple of wins and advancing in the series over that. I'm I'm definitely quite sure of that. And, you know, I think the Mariners, when we look at some of the teams that have been eliminated so far, when you're looking at the Rays, we already we always know that they find a way to be competitive. They cycle guys in and out, but they, you know, they're always in it. Um, they find a way. They're one of the smartest organizations, and they just know how they know how to develop guys. Uh, Cleveland, hey, you know that pitching staff, and if some of those young players can progress, they're going to be a team to reckon with. And hey, maybe if they go out and get somebody uh, to support Jose Ramirez. They could be real dangerous. Toronto, of course, we mentioned them. They're a team that, you know, they look ascendant. And Seattle does, does very much the same way. You know, the tough thing for Seattle is the fact that they're dealing with, well, they got the Astros who aren't looking to go away anytime soon. Luis Garcia ends up finishing this ball game himself. Uh, five shutout innings, 18 shutout. I mean, just, just tremendous, tremendous pitching. From the Astros, what's new though <laughs> for them? That's uh, that's what they do best. That's what they do best. And um, man, um, this took a little longer than perhaps I expected. Um, I think I'm going to split up this a little bit. It's going to be a, a few more episodes. Going to of course cover the ALCS. You know, not that long of a series. I can maybe do the championship series in one episode, but. I think the next episode is going to be the NL wildcard rounds and the NL divisional rounds, and then we'll cover the championship series either individually or um, or together in one episode as kind of a World Series preview because um, there's tremendous mo- moments that happen in both of the championship series, and there are tremendous moments that I'm going to have to cover in the National League wildcard round and divisional rounds. Um, just put... Man, I, I just wanted to make sure to get my thoughts, my reactions to hear. And again, you know, searching through, finding those calls. Because, you know, it's not just the, you know, the national broadcast. I'm, I'm interested in the radio broadcast as well. Because uh, I, I think that, pro, you know, provides a certain angle, a, a certain perspective. Um, and sometimes I don't always like some of the national broadcasters um, as much. Um, but... I was going to say, when I've got Brian Anderson a chance to do that, he's one of the guys that I really love to cover. Um, He's great. He's great at it. Um, Anyway, that's going to do it. It do it for us here in the in this episode. Got plenty more to cover, um, and that should be coming out pretty soon after this, actually, because I already did the work and I've already got my clips. I mean, that's usually a little bit of background into how the show works is 
yeah, the, the acquiring of the clips is really kind of the long part because I take a lot of effort to make sure I get good ones. I watch the games. I make sure I know uh, and, and kind of absorb all of that information. You know, a lot of these, these games are a lot fresher in my mind as I've watched most of them already, so I just need to go to the moments. Anyway, uh, a tremendous, exciting postseason that we have here in 2022. One, you know... Hey, we're not not having to rewind very far, um, but there will be more content on the horizon here covering this postseason, and then uh, we will be going back in time, as we always do. Catch you next time on Fall Classic Rewind.